profane sacrilege. What are you playing in this church? Have you no respect? Do you feel no reverence? And I feel sorry for you and your lack of soul. Welcome to the Horrorist Podcast. I'm Matt. And I'm Chelsea. And every week we're going to bring you the horror movies that you should be watching. That was good. That was great. <laughs> Thank you. How was your week, Matt? My week was something else, Chelsea. Did you uh, eat anybody this week? Uh, Not yet. Damn. I haven't eaten anybody yet. I think that's next week's uh, itinerary. Um, I'm not actually eating people. I'm in a horror TV series that's being filmed called Punk Rock Cannibals. And we've been filming this week. And the entire film, or the entire idea of the film if you didn't already realize, is that we're a bunch of punk rocks. That, a bunch of punk rocks. We're a bunch of punk rockers that also eat, eat people. people. Yay. <laughs> it's been very fun. I've been very into it. Uh, we're we're filming with Travis Z, who's done a bunch of stuff in the horror community, including doing the remake of Cabin Fever. Great He's guy. worked with a Robert England on, on projects. Like It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. He's an awesome guy. He's super fun to work with. Um, I'm very excited to be able to watch the behind the scenes go on. Um, I might be making a cameo. In... You're definitely going to be making a cameo. I just don't think it's the cameo you want to be making. It's definitely not the cameo. Chad has ideas for you. that My husband's I... brain works in ways that most people don't and should not understand. He, he comes up with 100 ideas a minute. And, and they're then, all incestuous. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to you, apparently they are, which is weird. He's from uh, Alabama. Y'all are not him. relatives, except in the fact that y'all are married. I guess y'all are family no. in that in that sense, but not. We're my husband blood. and wife, <laughs> yes. Matt. We we are not relatives. We're <laughs> hus- that, I guess relative is like blood, right? Yes. Yeah. Or I mean, hey, we choose our family as well around here. We so. do. Which brings us to Saturday night. Man, Saturday was fucking insane. Saturday was great. We had a three a three way birthday party. Birthday party. Birthday party. <laughs> such a long pause after three way. Holy we shit! We had a three way birthday party. Speaking of incest, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. With three of our uh, club members, we were in a club called the Plug Uglies. The Plug Uglies. And we had a three-way birthday party with uh, three of our members. Damn, just pop that. Uh, and it was just rowdy. There was a lot of alcohol, a lot of flying penises. A lot of wrestling. There like was some Ouija. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Chelsea thinks that I was trying to summon Satan, which no. I wasn't. I said your intentions didn't seem like they were pure. I said, I thought that you might be hoping to channel something on the darker side. I don't blame you. However, you weren't the one running the Ouija session, so I was terrified. I think you were taking my drunk face and interpreting it as my possessed face or something. Because I do know I had to have just looked completely disheveled while we were doing this. It was the end of the night, and I was just kind of slumped over but i was just trying to calm yeah well i I was trying to be i was trying to be open i don't believe in this shit but i'm trying to be open to it your liquor bottle was definitely open all night long that was that was what was open about you oh (laughs) (laughs) 
The it's, alcohol. This is the night that you're. I mean, the, the, it was that was the whole point of the night. If you're gonna get wasted, it might as well be a three way birthday party. Fair enough. I fought. I I wrestled someone. You did. Yeah, I, I forgot about I that. I won. That should be. I want to put that on the record. I won. I want to see that rematch though. A sober-ish rematch. No, it was more fun drunk. Yeah. I'll give you the win. You did. Thank great. you. That's all. I, I'm just looking for the win. Just. I just want to be able to tell my kids that I want to fight. Against a completely drunk, shirtless man (laughs) rolling around on a floor in a warehouse. Right. All right. uh, (laughs) Do you want to get into the movie? What are we doing? Uh, What is this week? uh, Hopefully all of y'all already knew this uh, through social media. I would love for y'all to have already watched this and be able to have a conversation with us on social media about it. You're taking too long. It's hereditary. It's hereditary. Yay. <laughs> I love this movie. I do too. We have a great love affair with Ari Aster's work. Yeah. And that, that being the two horror movies he's made. <laughs> when one horror movie makes my husband want to stand up and walk out of the theater. That's true. And you and I have this like connection where we're like, we fucking loved it. And Chad's yeah. like, I need to pray to Jesus. Like, <laughs> I love, I love Ari. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that was Midsummer, which will be maybe brought up in another episode, but we're doing Hereditary. So, uh, yeah, let's get into Hereditary. Tell me about it. Hereditary is, as we said, an Ari Aster film, uh, released in 2018. It came out through A24, which is, that's my, your cup of tea for sure. My favorite production company. Most uh, like cinephiles will probably list it as like at least their top five. That sounds dirt. What word was that? Cinephiles. That sounds. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking movies. <laughs> <laughs> no. So it was uh, directed by Ari Aster, produced by Lars Kn- uh, Knutson, I think is how you say it. Um, written by Ari Aster. Uh, he writes and directs Hereditary and Midsummer, and he has his own DP, which is, I think, what makes Ari Aster's film special. What's a DP? Uh, director of photography. Oh, okay. That's not the DP I'll have I was to, thinking of. I'll have to look it up, so I'll do that real quick. You have to use as, – as much as I love movies, I don't get as technical as you do. So you have to kind of baby step it with me a little bit because, right. again, like DP was not anything I was thinking of pertaining to movies. Well, well technically pertaining I mean, to movies, but not – It pretty much only happens movie. in movies the way you're talking about it. I'm not, yes, it does. It doesn't happen a whole lot in real life. If it, ha- if it does – if it's happened to you, please let us know in the comments. That would be great content. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just putting that out there. Uh, no, I'm still looking. I'm just trying to fill time because I'm still looking for his DP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Poel. Mm. Okay, we're going to – I might butcher his name. Uh, but it's Powell Pogorzelski. Powell Pogorzelski. Powell Pogorzelski. Coming from a partially Polish person. He, he, wor- yeah. <laughs> he works with uh, – Ari on like most of his films, if not all of his films, definitely Midsummer and Hereditary. Uh, and his his camera shots are just ridiculous. But anyways, it's starring uh, Tony Collette, Alex Wolf, Millie Sharpo, uh, Anne Dowd, and Gabriel Byrne. Uh, Gabriel was the dad. 
uh, Millie was um, the kid. What's her name? The sister. Millie was the sister. Uh, Charlie. Millie was Charlie. Charlie. Alex. Alex Wolf was the 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 older brother. And that's Millie Shapiro. What did I say? Sharpo. Sharpo. Shapiro. Millie Shapiro. So I believe this was her first film. Yeah, well. yeah, it was. It was introducing Millie Shapiro. Uh, and I don't know what she's been in recently, but I did look up her Instagram, and she is like an e girl. What? Yeah, it's crazy. Y'all need to look it up. She, because like I went to her IMDb and because I looked her up because like I wanted to know what she looked like now. Because I mean, obviously they make her look super weird in the movie, right? And so I was like, does she always look weird or did they – and she doesn't look as weird as she does in the movie. Um, they definitely, like, accentuated certain things. Uh, but, yeah, she has, like, purple hair and, like, heavy eyeliner, like, super alternative e-girl stuff going on. Like, it's weird. And she's, like, 18 and looks like she's 12. You which I mean, go, Millie. Yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm all for it. Like, you know – I did read that. Your hair's purple. My hair's so. purple, so I feel a, a per- kindred purple hair spirit with Millie Shapiro, who played <laughs> Charlie. Um, I read that Alex and Millie stayed in character for the pretty much, well, I know Alex did for the duration of the shooting. Word. He stayed in character as Peter on an offset. Um, he and Millie would go shopping as brother and sister, go out to eat as brother That's and sister. Cute. I love method acting. Yeah, I mean, and Alex Wolf has experience being a sibling in a major uh, film or TV series since he's half of the Naked Brothers band. That's a franchise, yeah. my friend. That is a franchise. Yeah, it was insane when I figured out that he was one of the Naked Brother band guys. Because I was, I was watching it and I was like, what do I know him from? And it wasn't that, but I figured out – it was actually from My Friend Dahmer. I watched that movie, My Friend Dahmer, oh. and he's the best friend. He is the friend uh, Dahmer. Say, what what kind of programming do you watch from, from Nickelodeon to, <laughs> to horror movies? Yeah. No, I just found out from my research because I was re-watching it for this podcast, and I'd, I was like – I've seen him in something recently, and I couldn't figure it out. And it was – I watched My Friend Dahmer, uh, which is also pretty good. Uh but through that, I found out that this is one of the dudes from Naked Brothers Band, which is it's okay. insane. There's no shame in my Nick game. Yeah. I love me some iCarly. I'm just saying. Yeah, and then Gabriel Byrne is a fairly well-known actor. I don't own a whole lot of stuff, but he has. So is Tony Collette. Yeah, she's. I don't a... recognize her from anything, but she looks. What? I, I'm sorry. What? Oh, I do man. know. I do recognize one person in this, and it's the. We'll get to this later, but it's. The the woman that she befriends at the um the meetings that she goes to oh, fucking Aunt Lydia yes. from Handmaid's Tale. I saw that and I was like, okay, please, like, I I want to see her because it was weird hearing her speak, yeah. not speaking as Aunt Lydia. Right. And I was like, maybe this is like a redeeming kind of character because we already know her as a psychopathic bitch. In The Handmaid's Tale, and no, no, she's just as crazy and fucked yeah, up as, yeah. as any other role she, she seems to play. She almost gets typecast, I guess, but she plays that, like, psychopath that has good intentions really well. Like, she seems 
even in Handmaid's Tale, she makes me feel like she's uncomfortable. Yeah, but she makes me feel like she's doing in her head. She's doing the right thing, you know, and she really projects that very well. Like she's gonna bake you cookies before she tries to murder you. Yeah, and I. I That's terrifying. She's great. I, I don't have her name offhand, but maybe we can figure that out later. Aunt Lydia, and then uh, Tony Collette. She was in Little Miss Sunshine. She was in The Sixth Sense. Um, she's been in quite a few things. I haven't watched The Sixth Sense since I was a kid, so maybe I need to go rewatch it. Maybe. And actually, that's a lie. I introduced someone to The Sixth Sense like four years ago because they had they didn't know the twist. Oh. I was I was so excited. It was like the second best thing to like showing someone that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. You know, oh my like God. I was so excited that they didn't they fucking figured it out halfway through the movie. Like I see dead people didn't yeah. resonate with them. No, because like halfway through they were like. That dude's dead. And huh. I was like, they, they figured out Bruce Willis was dead. Then they've seen it. No, they didn't. Th- I mean, they, well, they lying. said they didn't see it. I, it, I, I After rewatching, maybe it's just because I knew how it was going, but there was a lot of... Was it a chick trying to get in your pants? We're not going to get into the specifics of who this uh-huh. person was. I was about to say, that's a great pickup line. Like, I've never seen Sixth Sense. I don't know what happens. Like, what's the twist in it? Watch it with <laughs> me, Matt. Okay, like, well... This took a weird if they turn. know If they know halfway through the sixth sense that Bruce Willis is dead, they're lying. <laughs> On that, let's get to the numbers. Uh, it Its budget was $10 billion, or not $10 billion. Ten, Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> its budget was $10 million, uh, which is it's about par for the course for yeah, a Yeah, moderate. Movie. Yeah. Yeah. It made on in the box office eighty point two million. What? Which is fucking awesome. Holy like, shit! That it became a twenty four. I think it might still be a twenty four's highest grossing film worldwide. Good for them. Yeah, like this movie. I see why though. It. Yeah, I mean it. it it's it, a beautiful movie. It, oh, it really is. Uh, and it, you know, it, there's an argument between whether or not Hereditary or Midsummer is the better of Ari's films, but mm. that's just we'll get into that you, maybe later. Yeah. Let's watch Midsummer and cover it, and then we, we can have that debate. For sure. Because I'd like to have that debate. Definitely. It premiered uh, January 21st, 2018 at Sundance, and then it got a worldwide or major release uh, June 8th, 2018, for the United States, actually, not worldwide. I don't know the worldwide uh, release date, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, want to get into the plot? Yes, please. All right. So it starts off uh, with the family getting ready for a uh, a funeral for uh, Annie's, the, the mother character's uh, mom who died. And so we get introduced to the characters through the the miniature like sets that he that she builds. Yes. So. Uh, Tony Collette's character builds miniatures for a living. Right. Miniature houses. Uh, so the opening sequence is panning in or like panning around the room of where she makes all the miniatures. And then it zooms in to this miniature bedroom. And then bam, we're in the bedroom, yep, which I thought was super cool. It was a great, it was a great shot. Again, but well, I'm just killing the shots. So he does these really great, uh, he does a lot of wide shots. Yes. And then he does he just does these really good uh, transitions and these long shots. He's phenomenal. Uh, but we, that's where we get introduced to Peter. He's the first person that we get introduced to. His dad is going to wake him up, uh, getting him ready for the funeral, and then he has to go and find Charlie in the uh, treehouse. 
So he goes to the treehouse, wakes her up, and then they go to the funeral. Which you already kind of see, like, something may not be 100% right with this family because there's a lot of tension. Like, right. any funeral that I've ever had to be a part of, unfortunately, um, I'm not going to say had to be a part of, I yeah. was a part of. It was very sad. Um, it was very, you know, you know what funerals are like if you've gone to a funeral. And right. this was just a little, it was a little off-putting. Like, it wasn't so abnormal that you're immediately like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. But it was still enough to make you like, okay, there's going to be something going yeah, on it was, here. It was tense. It was very, very tense. Uh, so the, the tension of the family kind of gets introduced at the beginning. And then after that, uh, they go home and um, Annie tells her husband that she needs she wants to go to the movies but she ends up using the movies as an excuse to go to these like support groups uh and then she has a great kind of exposition dump uh about her family and like how her mom and her dad were just like crazy and she's had a lot of people in her family die in like crazy ways did Do you, you remember? catch the did you catch the brother part yeah, yeah, but I might, you can tell me it again. <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of alludes to it, it gives you insight into how the movie's going to go. Like if you've already seen it, the brother line kind of hits like, oh shit. She kind of tells you from the beginning that you know her mom, grandma, is has always been like this. Like yeah. there's there's always been this like mystique <clears throat> around it, but she's referring to her brother saying like she ran her brother off and I believe going back, like trying to remember it. Um, that's the only like male member of the family. I guess the only son sure. was her brother. And right. so knowing what we know now, what happens, you know, to yeah. the, the men or the, the sons, the brothers, the grandsons, you know, whatever in this movie that this is probably not the first time grandma has tried to summon demons. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's very much not. And we, we learn that later on that she was into some pretty nefarious shit, uh, and I guess she was in a fucking cult. You know? She ran a fucking cult. <laughs> yeah. Like this is – well, I don't want to say me because I don't really want to like offer <laughs> my child up to a cult. No. But if I didn't have children, I'd probably be in a satanic cult. Yeah. And then it also – it also uh, – it gets into the like the grandmother was breastfeeding Charlie. Yeah. Uh, which is just weird. Yeah. How does that even work? But I guess that – also plays into the whole like uh, oh it can work (laughs) having had a child come out of my body when you're around other like when you're a female and you're around other babies like you can start producing milk again sure i I would not know i'm not about to mansplain how uh mammary glands work so uh so after that (laughs) uh we get another scene where peter is trying to uh, talk to annie and is saying that she, he's going to go to a school function, a school barbecue, quote unquote. And she pretty much immediately says, "Take uh, your sister." Well, she fir- yeah. First, she says, uh, "Are you going to be drinking?" Oh, and then yeah. she's, and then there, he's like, "Oh, well, we don't even have a way to get drinks if we want." And he's, she was like, "That's a crock of shit." I just want to know if you're going to be drinking, right? So, my point is, she realizes that he's going to a function where there's going to be drinking. She completely admit, admits that. And then the next decision that she makes is take your 13-year-old uh, sister. sister. Yeah. 
who has like an allergy. This whole allergy thing is a little weird, and I'm going to get to that. It's kind of one of the biggest holes in this movie. Because we get introduced to the allergy because she's always eating chocolate. Uh, at the um, at the funeral, they bring up that they didn't bring an EpiPen. So we get introduced that she has an allergy. Uh, and then... What was with the chocolate? Did the, did the, was there any significance to that? Well, she just really likes she just really like she just really likes chocolate. Okay, so there was no significance to her like constantly eating chocolate. No, uh, the only the only significance to that is that she has a peanut allergy, and she really likes chocolate. I think so. That that's the thing is like she loves chocolate, it but she just, can't eat peanuts, so they always right. have to constantly watch what kind of chocolate she's watching. Uh, so eating. they were just setting up for pretty much the party. Pretty scene. yeah, she was. It was a pretty hard setup. Okay. Uh, so we get, you know, we get the school scenes. Uh, Peter's looking at her, his his crush's ass, right? Uh, and then being taught psychology or literature or whatever. And then we get a scene of Charlie in school where she's building her like toys. And then that crow or bird comes and like hits the 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 wall or the the window. window. <laughs> window that hits the window and uh (laughs) i love the setup of of charlie's character because you can tell it's they don't make it like blatant but you could tell that she is an incredibly special child right i'm not saying special in any sort of derogatory way but you can just tell she is she is not on the same wavelength as the rest of us yeah she's incredibly intelligent she has um she puts together all of these really cool things. It's almost like she builds miniatures like her mom, mm-hmm. but in a completely using different things. Yeah. Um, she's, I guess, inventive, you would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you find out that little Charlie's a little bit morbid. Yeah. Cause the bird smacks into this window and Charlie goes out and is like looking at this bird and you're like, oh, okay, little Charlie's fascinated with death. Like, no, she completely takes the bird's head off. Like, okay. Yeah, that is. What the fuck, kid? That is not normal. And we, we know we're already introduced that she's not normal because she can't, she can't pay attention to the, to the test because she's building her like toys. Uh, she clicks all the time, which is just, yes. just terrifying. Why is it terrifying? I don't know. We'll get uh, into it, but it's fucking terrifying I'll for some reason. I'll never ever be able to hear that without just this little cluck, the little like, <laughs> Right, like, it's it, no. You, you hear it in your sleep. It's one of those just like tiny things that get introduced to a film that just like kind of defines and there's a no character. Re- and I did research on it because the clucks. It, I I have a like really weird like noise phobia thing, mm-hmm. like with mouth noises and stuff. So I looked to see if there was any kind of significance to the clucking. No, she it's just a, a character quirk. Yeah, that she does. Mm-hmm. That Ari Aster was like, hey, kid. Yeah, and, and filmmaking-wise, it's just an auditory cue that they can use later on to mm-hmm. let you know that they're either thinking about... To your pants. Yeah, or to, you know, <laughs> or to make you know that they're thinking about Charlie or that Charlie is present. Said so eloquently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just to shit your pants, you know? <laughs> However you want to say it. Whatever whatever gets you there. So after the, after the, uh, sorry, after the school scene... Uh, Peter's trying to go to a party and for some reason after saying is there going to be alcohol there she knows alcohol is going to be there Annie the mom 
is like take your 13 year old daughter and this is one of those uh horror cliches that i've noticed where all of these movies could be prevented if it wasn't for fairly bad parenting right yeah that's uh... terrible like if you're gonna let the 16 17 year old kid go to a a, 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 a party where you know that drinking is going to be taking place. Why is your next thing like, Oh yeah. I, I, and I know that it's supposed to be because that prevents him from getting drunk. He, Not necessarily. So Peter is a normal teenage boy. He's trying to go to a party to get high and potentially get his dick wet. <laughs> and he straight up tells mom like, no mom, it's not a party. It's, it's a, a school function. And mom's like, okay, I know you're full of shit, but take your sister. Yeah. Because you're be- not going to be drinking. And then, so bad parenting choice. But then it's like, maybe she thinks that he won't go or she's going to catch him or something like that. If he's like, no, I don't want to take my sister, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So maybe he just relents or I don't know. Maybe he's just so desperate to go party. But mom is also not in her right mind. Right. No, of course not. No one is in this movie. I mean, it starts off with with death. It starts off with the death of the family. Because so. Charlie was, you know, pretty much like she was like, who is going to take care of me now that grandma's gone? Right. So mom, I'm sure, is feeling overwhelmed because it looks like she wasn't the primary caregiver of Charlie anyways, which, you know, we figure out why later in the movie. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure she's feeling overwhelmed. I'm sure she just wants like the kids out of her hair and she's dealing with all this bullshit, but it's still a terrible, but yeah, when it gets down to it, it's bad parenting and I'm not going to place blame on anybody, but it shouldn't have happened. There's no, no, in no world are you supposed to bring your 13 year old sister to some fucking high school party. That's just ridiculous. But anyways, it happens. They get Mm -hmm. to it. Uh, and then he, at the party, Peter goes upstairs to get high because he loves to get high. He loves the marijuana. Yeah, he, he's, he's smoking some weed, brave. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, during that time, uh, he's like, uh, before that, he's like, like, oh, there's chocolate cake over there. You love chocolate. Go eat that. Well, then, but they, before that, there was the shot of this chick just demolishing a cutting board oh. full of like walnuts. I'm so glad that you brought that up because yes, that Who was does that. That at was a party? like foreshadowing for the anaphylactic shock. But when I was watching it this the second time over, uh, this was the second scene in about 20 30 minutes that just had a scene with terrible knife skills being portrayed. Because in, oh. the, in the first, in the, there's like the beginning episode or the beginning scene, uh, someone was cutting, the mom was cutting cherry tomatoes and just obliterating them, just not cutting them correctly. And so I didn't even notice that it was walnuts because I was just sitting there being like, why does everyone in this movie cook so terribly? <laughs> Are you that, having like kitchen worker PTSD right yeah, now? Like th- she was, she was holding it in the middle of the blade and just chopping up and down like that. <laughs> and then like, she's a teenager. It was, she, okay. First of all, she's at a party fucking baking. So this bitch, yeah, I, that doesn't even, that, I've never been to a high school party where someone was like, I'm going to bake a cake. Like while the party is going on. If my dad ends up listening to this, I never went to any high school parties ever. Once in my life, 
and dad this the end of the episode and I love you and I'll call you later. Yeah, but I've never now. been to a high school party where someone was in the kitchen cooking stuff. No. They were in the kitchen to pull the next bottle of liquor out of the freezer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's it. So, anyways, they were they were cooking up a, a, a birthday cake or baking a birthday cake, I guess. I don't know if it was a birthday or just they were baking a cake at a high school a party. Cake. And he's wanting to go upstairs because now he's Mr. Popular because the girl he likes is like, oh my god, Peter brought weed, guys, and yeah. like he's like, yeah, I'm the man. And that's and such he's like, a here, here, kid. That's such a movie high school thing, right? Like I just watched a movie where that happened. What was it? Uh it was a movie with Pete Davidson where he was like uh, – he was a burnout because he, he's always a burnout. Uh, and he had this like 13-year-old kid that uh, he like mentored. And he was like, yeah, just bring weed to the party and everyone's going to love you. And that's exactly what happened. And everyone was like, oh, you're so cool because you got weed. And I, and I'm just saying when I was in high school, everyone fucking had it, bro. Like I don't know. Like maybe I just was in a shitty school but – no one was cool because they had weed. Like, we had drug dogs at our school, and if you had weed, you got arrested. Yeah, it was like that uh, but normal. But who, who gave Pete Davidson a 13-year-old to take care of? <laughs> well, it was a movie. <laughs> but he's, in a, he's coming out with another movie uh, from uh, uh, Judd, Ap- Judd, Ap- Judd, Ap- Judd Apatow? Yeah. That uh, one? Yes. He's coming out with a movie with, uh, starring Pete Davidson, and guess what he plays? A burnout. Uh, weed smoke and burnout. Well, like, that's every Judd Apatow movie. Yeah, well. it's also every Pete Davidson movie. If you can't tell, Matt and I have a mutual love and appreciation for Pete Davidson. Matt wants to look like him, and <laughs> I just want to have a conversation you know with him because I'm married and I he, can't do anything else. He's apparently else. the pretty boy in SNL, so I, I'll take that. If he's you say the that bad I look boy. Like him, Colin yeah. Jost is the pretty boy. You're right. You are correct. And Michael Che, he's pretty too. You're right. Actually, you can't, you weekend can't update. Smile that much. I don't but. really like SNL. I just like Weekend Update. <laughs> Kate McKinnon. Mm. Mm. Anyways, can continue on with Hereditary because that's what we're focusing on. Uh, <clears throat> so, so Peter gives Charlie a piece of cake to keep her away from him while he goes to be the cool kid who brought the weed to the party yeah. and impress this chick, and then all of a sudden. Uh, yeah, she walks up into the room and is saying that it's hard to breathe and that her uh, throat is getting bigger. And she's obviously going to anaphylactic shock because of the massive amounts of walnuts they decided to put into this cake, which is just a bad choice, first of all, but whatever. Anyways, they so then Peter uh, flies home or flies to the hospital to try and get her uh, some uh, medical attention. And during that, there is a dead animal on the road, which brings us to like the most visceral uh, scenes in of horror. The whole- yeah, for sure. Period. It is insane. And it's in the first like thirty minutes of the movie. Yeah, it. And it's it's crazy because in all the pro- uh, promotional material, we were introduced to Charlie as like the main character. We thought that she was going to be like the scary kid. It got me. It got the fuck out of me. Like I had to pause the movie for a minute. And take a breath and be like, "Oh my God, yeah. did that just happen?" Like, I, 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 yeah. When I when I first watched the movie, I thought she was gonna be kind of the like 
main antagonist. Like the she's the exorcist chick. She's right. the, the little girl that's being possessed. I thought yes. that was gonna be her. And it nope. No. <laughs> knocked her head off from a fucking phone pole. Charlie's in the backseat. She's trying to breathe. She's gasping at this point. Her throat is closing. She feels like if she rolls the window down and sticks her head out the window, she can breathe better. I guess air flowing in her face. I don't know. And then yeah, just head meets phone pole. And the the scene, it's just like it's insane. You see every bit of it. The yeah. the head hits. The head flies, the head rolls, and you're looking at poor little 12, 13-year-old Charlie's decapitated head on the ground and her headless body in the car. And Peter's just like, oh, well, this just happened. Okay. He refuses to look at it. He drives all the way home. He gets out of the car. He just goes to bed. And some of the best cinematography – like the, the the camera turns at the uh, like when you're cur- turning a corner, so good. Uh, and then he just fucking falls asleep, stays stays awake apparently the entire night because he can't sleep. And then just his mom wakes up normal. I'm gonna go to the car and then just starts fucking screaming. And it turns into a minute and a half of the most visceral fucking screaming and crying that I've ever heard. I have I have goosebumps just talking about it because I'm like seeing this in my head and you don't even like it's just Charlie or Peter's face. You're just looking at Peter's face and you're hearing this conversation in the background and you're just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because you're like. The mom is talking like, hey, I'm going to run to the store. And then you hear footsteps and then you hear the door and then you just hear screaming. And you, as a mom, I felt sick to my stomach. Oh, yeah. And just it focuses so much on Peter's reaction. And like it was not a very realistic. Or lack of reaction. There was no reaction for Peter. It's not a very realistic reaction, but it. Have you ever decapitated your sister in a car? No, of course not. And it also does something that a lot of movies don't really do which is like it lingers you know it lingers on this tragedy a lot of a lot of movies will like cut and you know it, they'll, they'll kind of get rid of the like awkward fate that awkward moment where you have to like explain to your mom that you just killed your uh your sister they just skipped it and said we're just gonna have the mom find the yeah. sister's body in the back of her car but like you never you never see in these kind of tragedies like the scene of her of him pulling up and having to get out, you know, like it's like such a it's such a it's such a normal thing that you do a hundred times, but now him just getting out of the car is like with his sister's disgusting body. Yeah, yeah. it's it's it does. It's, it's hard to watch. It's the hardest scene I've ever watched where someone's just getting out of a car. It's it's totally normal. Save the headless body in the backseat. Exactly, it's a normal thing that everyone does every day, but now it's this. Like how I mean, there's nothing that he could have he could have called nine one one. He could have done something more normal, but like I think at that moment though he just goes into shock because he knows what happens. He doesn't want to face what happens. This is also a teenage boy, right? So he's driving home. He hears the thump. Obviously, we get to see it, but he doesn't see it. He refuses to acknowledge it happened. He refuses to look at it. He just does the only thing he knows and he goes home. Yeah. And like you said, he pulls into the driveway, parks the car, gets out nonchalantly, walks into the house, into his bedroom and just like goes to bed. Yep. And then we get the scene of her screaming and crying in her husband's arms, mm. uh, which is just 
gut wrenching. Yeah, and then it cuts into her screaming and crying in her husband's arm at the funeral. Mm-hmm. And then they come home, and then uh, she goes back to the support group, but then she just decides not to go in. Right. And that's when she gets introduced to Joan, which is the chick that plays Aunt Lydia. Cute, crazy bitch. Which, this is one of the, like, kind of plot holes, because we were already introduced to all of her, uh, all of Annie's mothers, the grandmother's, like, box of stuff. Right. And if if she had just kept looking at that stuff, she would have realized that Joan was in the cult with her her mom. But she didn't want to... She didn't know at that point in time her mom was in a cult. Maybe she she knew deep down, but she, again, it, it kind of... There's a theme in the family. She kind of refuses to acknowledge it. She right. knows something's not right. She knows her mom wasn't present pretty much her entire life. She knows that they've never had a good relationship. Um... And she does go through some of her stuff, but I think that she's so disconnected from her mom and not so much affected by her mom's death. I think she's more relieved by her mom's death because she says, you know, it's for the past couple years she's been living with us because she's been, you know, deteriorating Mm -hmm. mentally and physically. So she's been with us, but she's so secretive. She like, she explains that my mother's been secretive her entire life and She's probably just done with it. She's. I'm just saying, like, there was a lot of evidence that this cult existed, and it's a little convenient that she didn't find the evidence beforehand. But she didn't, so that's just movie magic. That's movie logic. We're not. I'm not going to get into plot holes or whatever. Like that, it's fine. There, in this in this scenario, she didn't look at it. She didn't know who Joan was. She right. befriended Joan, and then <clears throat> they end up talking and then they have they make plans to hang out and then they run into each other run into each other quote unquote at the grocery store or whatever and jones like i found a uh, seance lady she's super giddy super happy and she's like i have the answer like you're so sad here do a we did a seance and i communicated with my grandson yeah like i talked to him and life is so wonderful and happy now. Here, try this. Which is all obviously bullshit. I mean, I think at this point, everyone is kind of like on their toes about this chick. Uh, but they end up going back to Joan's house. And Joan has this carpet or this welcome mat. And she even brings up like, oh, my mom used to make. Uh, yeah, that's uh, an interesting welcome mat. Welcome mat. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. That, like, that didn't bring up. A red, a red flag, but whatever. She thought it was an old people thing. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, yeah, so then they do the seance, and then Annie felt, finds out that it's real, you know, uh, that there is something moving the glass. They asked, uh, She asked to put the hands on the glass. The glass fucking moves. Uh, they bring out the chalkboard or whatever, and he starts writing, I love you, Granny, or whatever, on mm-hmm. the chalkboard, uh, which is all bullshit it seems it was all just part of the plan to convince annie that this was real um no i think in the movie world that was a hundred percent real it was a hundred percent something that happened yes but it wasn't someone's i don't think it was joan's grandmother or grand uh son grandson yeah. i don't think so really yeah i think it might have just been payment payment at like being mischievous it could have been 
it could I mean either way it doesn't really Maybe it, not. It, inter- I don't know. it introduces us to the reality that in this world that something supernatural is incredibly tangible. It's yeah. something yes. that you can't deny. So they put their hands on a drinking glass and it moves and a chalkboard is writing on itself. A message from somebody on the other side is communicating through a chalkboard. Like this is undeniable. Yeah, it, it, it it ensures that supernatural things can't happen in this movie. Like that, that it, it, nothing is, is, is beyond a shadow of a doubt. Supernatural things happen. Right. Demons or Or spirits are real. That this cult is incredibly powerful in hindsight. So then she ends up coming back home and she tries it. Does anything happen, uh, of, of note in between her doing that one and, than her trying to bring it up with her family. No, I yes, it does. It? Uh, we we find out that she tried to burn uh, her oh, kids yes. on accident. She, we get introduced that she's a sleepwalker, right? Which is terrifying. <laughs> so yes, so there was an incident where Annie douses her children in lighter fluid because they were sharing the same room at mm-hmm. the time, um, and the son wakes up to her holding. Uh, matches. Matches. Yeah, and like she's about to light one, and then uh, she wakes up. Then she, uh, Annie, wakes up from sleepwalking, doesn't know where she's at, apologizes, but that's kind of like why the whole family has a tension that going on. That was the moment of disconnect from Annie and her children. Right. That's, and then, yeah. I also, in between, I think in between those two, but it might have been before the first seance. There's the dinner scene. Oh, yes, where the family is, gets together for a dinner after Charlie passes away. Right. And it's seemingly normal. Um. And, oh, man. <laughs> it, it, it gets very much not normal very quickly because yes. uh, um, Peter ends up asking his mom, is everything okay? And an innocent question, which turns into some of the best monologues. Of the movie. Tony Collette knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And here's the thing, like another tidbit on Tony. Um, she told her agent she didn't want to do any more horror movies, that she was done with them. Really? Because of this? No. Before hereditary. Oh. So then she reads about hereditary Uh and she was so drawn in by hereditary by Ari Aster said that he was the most put together and prepared director she had ever worked with. And for that reason only would she do this project. So she had tapped out of horror until hereditary. Damn. Which is incredible to me Yeah. because I feel like that in itself may have contributed to the incredible acting job she did. Oh yeah. And it is, it is. It hits its peak in this scene, if you ask me. Like her whole thing, where she's just screaming and like she's saying, "Like I wish I could take this pain away from you," but then she's also blaming him. Like she's saying it's not your fault, but then she's saying you did this. And you're not taking responsibility for it. So she's, and it must be confusing for him because I. It, you can see on his face he doesn't. He's trying to block it out every time. Like there's that scene where they're smoking weed under the bench after, uh, she, after Charlie dies and he starts like choking 
Right. And I, he's, he's struggling with a lot of these things. He's definitely affected by it, but this is the first time, obviously, that it's, it's been discussed within the family. Yeah, and it's family. being brought up, like, in person. And then his reaction was to blame Annie. Cause, right. Yeah, because he like, goes to he's like, the... you don't, you don't have uh, – she's like, you don't have any – uh, no one takes the responsibility for anything that they do. And then she sits down. She sits back down at the at the dinner table, which I would never do if I went on a tangent like that. I'd st- storm off. But she sits back down, and then he says, "What about you, mom? Like, why was she? Why was she with me? I didn't. Yeah. She, she didn't want to be there. Why was so she at the party, mom? Yeah. And, like, yeah. And then the, the dad shuts it down. And you just want to like, oh my yeah, god. Yeah. It. I think. I just I think, wanted to hug every one of them. Yeah, the the family dynamic is the scariest part because like. And again, there is no. This is one of those movies where there's no, t- no, no timeline. Yeah. So you don't know how long after Charlie's death that this family is trying to sit down and have a family meal. Yeah. And that one chair is still sitting there empty. Right. And it's just one of those. It's another completely gut wrenching moment. Yeah. And. <clears throat> Um, the movie was described by the crew who worked on it. Like they would classify it as more of a family drama than they would a horror movie for reasons like this. Yeah. I mean, and that's what, I mean, that's, and that's what makes good horror, good horror. It's just not straightforward horror. You know, right. it, you, you take a lot of horror elements, you kind of dispel all of the cliches and then you make a really good dramatic performance and a really good, like, story out of the horror and it's still terrifying because straight up horror isn't terrifying but once you start bringing in family elements you start bringing in these like psychological elements these things that like how would you react to something like this you know like because what the last movie that i can recall a child being harmed in like blatantly like that was pet cemetery yeah and even then we don't see the the little girl get decapitated. And in this scene, in this movie, we see fucking Charlie's head on the side of the road with and, ants like eating it. Yes, so gnarly. They go back to Charlie's rotting yeah. head being eaten by wildlife, and it's just, oh, yeah. I mean, God. it's not even that he took the chance of killing a kid. He took a chance of like the kid's death being the crux of the entire film. Right. And that's insane. You know, but that's just something you don't do. It's like, it's something people don't want to see. It it makes people cringe. It makes people like not want to watch the fucking movie, but it it works because you got to take those fucking chances in horror. Like that's, that's what makes people freak out. Like it got (laughs) me in my mom feels all the way. For sure. So what happens after, after dinner, after the grand, feeling letting yeah. out episode of dinner. So like we already discussed, she was introduced to Joan who introduced her to the seance. And now she feels like she can uh, interact with Charlie again. So she brings the entire family and she gets one of Charlie's uh, sketchbooks, uh, which side note, just real quick. Uh, there was a scene where uh, the dad was looking at the sketchbook and she was, lo- he was looking at all the different things that Charlie wrote. And Drew, and then he goes to the next page, and it's blank. And it's just this beautiful scene with just the father where he – it kind of, like, demonstrates, oh, this is never going to get filled again. You know, this is the end of Charlie's book, and it can never – nothing can ever be 
like done after this because he's dead. It's just, it was this great scene of realization for the father that it really is concrete. Like he, Charlie's not right. here anymore. The this finality of the death yeah, of his daughter. It, 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 it hit really, really nice for me. Right. So yeah, then they try and do the seance for Charlie. And this is another thing about this movie that is so great because most movies, the crazy, but kind of not crazy because we know as an audience that she's not crazy but she's looking crazy to the family or to the other people in the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, like, so most of the time for those characters, they'll bring this crazy idea to the family and then it won't work. Right. You so know? they look even crazier. They, she, yeah. But in this movie, every time that happens, it does work. The crazy lands. Yeah, the crazy lands. Every so, time. like, then they get – and that's just a great, like, uh, subversion of, like, what you were expecting. You know? Right. Uh, so like when, when you, when she brings, she's acting all manic and she's oh, being yeah. crazy and like, she, she brings the fucking thing yeah. to the family and they're all acting like, Oh, this isn't going to work. You're going to, you're going to think it's not going to work. Right. And, Cause that's how every movie is like taught you how to think. But then this movie, the shit fucking moves. Oh yeah. You know, she, she's absolutely out of her mind, but she's excited yeah. because obviously it's late at night. It's like what, two o'clock in the morning or something like that. And you know, she like frantically rips her husband and her son out of bed and is like, I'm talking to Charlie. Like Charlie's here. I can yeah. communicate with her. Come right now. Like, let's do this. And they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And thinks she's crazy. And like, She's like, everybody put their hand on the glass to like, just do this, just blah, blah, blah. And and then the glass starts moving. And, and they, all, they all realize at that moment that she is right. And now they're freaking out. They're freaking the fuck out. Yeah. The sun has a complete meltdown. Yeah. Just like. And Alex Wolf's crying. Mm. Can we just talk about Alex Wolf's crying? Okay, so are we on the same page about this? <laughs> I I am like. Sometimes it hits, and sometimes it really don't. And in this, so in the scene where they're kind of, um, she's dreaming about. There's a scene that she's dreaming about the incident she had with the fire. Right. Uh, and in that scene, I think Alex's uh, Peter's crying hits. Right. Like it's off camera. We're watching her like it, it and it, it starts. She's, they both start off dry. And having a conversation, and then they just become wet. They become soaking wet, which right. is great. Like there, it, it is like a dream state where like it starts off. They start off dry, then they then they become soaking wet, and then all of a sudden she's holding a, a match, and it's all in the a normal conversation. And then she start he starts crying, and it is over the top, and it is that same like uh-huh, 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 crying, <laughs> but it kind of hits there. And then in this scene. Where she, they're doing the seance and he's like crying on his dad's shoulder. It kind of don't hit. <laughs> no, it don't hit. I was, oh, uh, it was so obnoxious. Like the, there was an abundance of teenage male, like emotion, I guess. Yeah. Me not ever having been a teenage male and not ever having decapitated my own sister or having a crazy mom. Like I was trying not to judge. Same. Like maybe. Like, if, but I, uh, I honestly, I think it was a directorial cho- choice. I have no proof of this, but I think maybe it all of the crying is over the top in this movie. It really is. But a, a lot of things are over the top in this movie, and I think it might have been like a direction that they were told to go in, like be over the top, like 
make it seem like larger than life maybe. Because when Annie was crying over the death of Charlie, like that was so real. I have been there before when a family member's passed and like it was so – like it was so real and it just like it 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 made me like catch in my throat a little bit because it it's just another one of those gut-wrenching moments but then to see maybe it was just a complete uh character choice to show like the vulnerability of Peter I don't know yeah. but it when you're right when he starts like bawling cuz I'm like I was excited I was like oh shit Charlie's here like yeah. the book's going yeah. like that she cuz the personal item she picked for that séance was her drawing book right. like the book's going and the cups flying and I was like hell yeah, yeah. that's awesome and then you know Peter's just like <laughs> <laughs> like mommy's was, scaring me it was over the top and yeah uh, so at, at this point the movie kicks into high gear yes like this is a, this is like the climax of the film this is when everything starts happening and this is when the coolest shots happen like i love everything that happens in this like third act of the movie so take us there matt <laughs> so after the uh seance is over uh and i i think this is why i i also think that they were summoning payment here because Annie gets possessed, quote unquote, in that scene, and then she it leaves her body. And then there's that scene where he was in school and he fucking put his hand up. Yeah. And then that shit, and he fucking slammed his head, and that's why he broke his nose. Right. So like, I think they opened the portal for payment to be. Because uh, the weird the shit starts happening after, after the this. seance, and then he finally finds Peter, who is supposed to be the male host, because. We find out payment has to have a male host, blah, blah, blah. So then it just becomes this hectic, like, third act where Annie is trying to get rid of the book. So she throws it into the fire and she starts uh, catching on fire. Right. And so then she has to get it out. And everything supernatural really starts coming together at this point. So And so at this point, it's when. Annie finds I tries to put all the pieces together, I guess, because she puts together the uh, the Joan. Um, they, he, she goes back to Joan's house and Joan's not there. Right. And then we get a, a shot into Joan's apartment and there's a triangle with uh, a picture in the middle and there's a bunch. The, the, the ending scene is being like portrayed by like uh, shitty like toys that he, that she made and like there's the Pomone uh, sigil in the background and she puts the, puts together the like doormat thing and right she rushes back to her house finds all the books finds that joan and her and her mother were uh in cahoots yes uh and then she ends up finding she ends up going up into the attic because of the smell yeah which, finds her mother's headless body yeah which is another uh scene where i thought when she shows it to her husband I thought the husband was going to go up there and, and the th- body was going to be gone. Yeah. And nope. no, yeah, he, he comes down and she's, he's like, what the fuck? There's a dead body up there. Yeah. Which never happened. But then he thinks it's her. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's really cool. Cause like you said, it starts fast tracking at this point. Yeah. So you've got, you know, obviously like there's something going on cause she can't burn the book. Her mother's headless body is in the, the attic. Yeah. Um, and she reads we, in one of the books that it has to be a male host. Right. And that's kind of where all this starts getting put together where we find out that like Charlie was, 
she was the current host. Yeah. And that's why and grandma had such a, uh, she, why she was babying Charlie, exactly. why she was nursing Charlie, why she was Charlie's caretaker. Cause it wasn't Charlie. It was payment in a female host body. That's not for, for payment to do what he needs to do for them to get their riches and glory. It needs to be a male host yeah. ideally, which is really cool because they use the payment sigil throughout the entire movie to kind of landmark all of these significant, mm-hmm. um, you know, cult happenings. Right. So when Charlie's head gets knocked off by the pole, there's the sigil payment on the, the telephone pole. So that's kind of like payment being released from Charlie's body. And then, um, you know, mom's headless body, there's the sigil of payment on the ceiling in the attic. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, and so then after that, uh, she comes, like, she goes and gets the book, tries to get her husband to burn it. And they have this like conversation where like, it almost feels like Annie's saying goodbye to her husband. She is because she thinks that she's going to die. Oh, and she can't, th- she that can't throw sense. the book. Yeah. Because she, she can't kill herself. Right. So she's like, you she's throw like, it. You do it. Just so trust she, me. Just do it. And he throws the book. He, do, he doesn't throw the book. He says you need help. And yeah. then she takes oh, it right. from him, throws it in the fire. And then for some reason, I don't, not 100% sure on why, uh, he just bursts into flames, which cinematography looks fantastic. It was used in all the promotional material, which kind of sucks. But it definitely was one of the reasons I watched this movie. Right. Because in the trailer, it showed some dude on fire, and it just didn't make any sense, you know? Right. It was such a good shot. And then after that, it all just kind of escalates even more. And then we get that shot where uh, she's scared, and then she's just not scared all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. I guess like Payman is in her body. Uh, Peter wakes up, goes downstairs... I guess can't smell his dad's charred body because his nose is broken. Right. Oh, I didn't realize. Okay. Good, good put together there. Cause I didn't realize that. Uh, finds it. Oh, wait. But before that, he wakes up in his room and her, his mom is Spider-Manning in the corner, which is terrifying. I love it. Cause there isn't, there isn't, jump scares there isn't like a auditory cue she's just in the fucking background and it's terrifying yes i love that shit he comes downstairs he finds his fucking uh charred dad again up like bottom shot uh, over his shoulder fucking mom in the corner spider Spider mom (laughs) like so good uh and you just you have no idea why you don't know what's going on. And There's then, no purpose for this, right? And then he starts seeing a bunch of naked people. Yeah, and that fucking dude in the in the in the shadows smiling completely naked. Yeah, it lingers just a little too long well, yeah. for me to be comfortable. I love those I love those kind of shots, and it was so scary because I was like, that that's scary. And then it kept going, and I'm like, okay, you can stop now, right. <laughs> like. That was so terrifying. Um, and then he is sitting there, and then I think his mom runs out of the corner, out of the darkness. He he bails. He goes up into the attic. And again, one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my entire life, 
he's in the attic fucking waiting and you hear and then you see that it's his mom banging his banging her head on the the attic door just what the can fuck? i just say that 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 annie's demise is probably it, it definitely is in my top 10 favorite and can can we really call it a kill because i guess it's not her she's not butchering herself it's it's something to do with the cult whether it's payment yeah. or the cult or whatever it's one of my top 10 favorite kills in horror of all time yeah because then after that he's up in the attic and i guess she can like go through walls i don't know it doesn't make a whole lot of sense but i don't fucking it care have to. hell yeah it doesn't have to it's fucking sick like she she's floating in the air. There's three fucking cult members in the in the corner just watching, mm-hmm. and then she's doing something she's that is got like, like the, a garrote or something uh, like that, and she is just sawing away at her, at her own neck. And she's it's just decapitating the grossest sound. herself. It's the grossest this, sound. The sound it. got me. Oh, I hate it so Especially much. Especially when it picks up speed, <sighs> and then it just like, and and then all it. of a sudden. It's, the head falls, and she has. Well, the Annie head doesn't to, fall on camera. It well, you hear it. Yeah, he busts through the window, right? And then you hear it fall, and then she—he somehow survives. He doesn't survive. That is Peter's death. The moment he come, falls out of the window, that's when he dies. That's when Annie dies. Payman leaves Annie and goes into Peter. So at that point Get in time, that is when Peter dies, and Payman inhabits peter's body he is payment is now in the intended male host and goes into did i just blow your mind a little bit you kind of did you kind of did that was that's good (laughs) that's where he is now peter's dead so this entire family has been wiped out peter dies from jumping out the window payment leaves annie goes into peter peter goes into the treehouse and you see Mm, yeah you see yes Oh, God. you see cult shit. Yeah, a no, lot of cult before shit. Before they, before she come, he goes into the the treehouse. You see, uh, the body just floating up into the. There's no, there's nothing. It's just real. It's what it would look like if you saw a body floating up into a treehouse. Like there's no like scary jump cuts. There's no like music. It's just quiet birds or like you know crickets chirping. And then cuts to a queen shot of her, of her just floating into the, and that just is so unsettling. I fucking love it. I love it so much. <laughs> and then he Ooh. goes into the treehouse, and they have the two decapitated bo- uh, heads uh, or de- decapitated bodies. Uh, Annie and her lean, mother. Yep. And then the colt behind, and then the Joan. colt is naked and bowing. They're they're. They're yoga posing it, you know, <laughs> or they're, they're, I don't know what they're doing, but they're, they're bowing to this, uh, uh, what, what would you call it? Not yeah, a just, statue, just, yeah, a, just a, a, a figure, just something that they made out of like wood, wood or something. And straw and shit. It's, you know, Charlie's yeah. decapitated head with a yeah. crown and, Oof. yeah. And then they crown Pomone. Yep. And then Joan gets up. Tells him that it's all going to be okay. And then end, end the movie with a hail Pomone. 
Pale Payment. Or Payment. Sorry, payment. I'm saying it wrong. Pamone. Pamone. Payment like is Payment. <laughs> God damn I it. love bread with some payment. Pamone cheese. <laughs> Hail Payment. Hail Payment. That was. Because really, I mean, it's a full, it's a full on cult movie. Yeah, it's a full on like satanic. Like, it is demon a, a movie, you know, at least a, it's, a. It's the least in your satanic face. Satanic adjacent movie, you know. Yes, it's the the least in your face like possession movie or whatever you classify this yeah. as that I've ever seen. Yeah. It's so beautifully done because it's, it's, it's in the background. It's hovering in the background, the entire movie. Right. And I mean, even you didn't realize like when, when Peter jumps out the window, that's when payment takes over yeah. and payment wins. Like all this hard work, these, this generations of families being harmed and killed. And like, finally what the grandmother has been trying to do as the cult leader this entire time for riches and glory is put payment in the correct male host. And it finally happens with her grandson. Yeah. The movie ends with the cult winning. Yes. And it's so sick. Everyone dies and the cult wins. I really enjoy movies where everybody dies. Me too. Okay, so I'm not the only crazy person. I no, always no, feel no. like a shit bag for wanting everybody to die. No, no, I want. I, I mean, the the cliche of the one chick surviving at the end, it's always great. But like, Survivor Girl. Yeah, I, I, I love, I love a good movie where just everyone dies and the bad guys win. That's what I want. You know, not all the time, but I'm so happy it happened this way. It would have been cheesy if Payman got duped you know been dumb he's a demon you can't exactly. dupe a demon <laughs> can't dupe a demon <laughs> i didn't put that on the t-shirt i was about to say that's t-shirt <laughs> for this episode uh all right so that's the movie do you want to get into your favorite scene oh honestly my favorite scene is between peter at school being possessed because yep. that thoroughly creeped me the fuck out for sure it was a completely normal school scene and then all of a sudden peter just looks like he's like strangling or choking or something like he just goes not normal and then his arm goes up everyone's freaking the fuck out and he just starts like banging his own head against the desk like ruthlessly and then yeah. you see that he gets fucked the, up the scream at the end yes he's just figuring out like he comes to he's losing control over his own body and then of course when annie saws off her own head yeah with- i would say that's probably mine it's either like so i would say my favorite is the attic scene where annie's trying to get to peter both the banging the head on the attic door and the sawing off and he just blew my mind that the ending is him dying peter dying so that just makes it even better. <laughs> so I think that might be the best, my favorite or the scene right after uh, Charlie dies and he's sitting there in the car trying to look in the rearview mirror, can't, and then just puts it in drive, drives home, gets out of the car because that's just so unsettling to me. Like, I just never see that in a movie and you never see, like, the directly after when something bad happens, it always right. cuts when something bad happens. You never see these normal everyday things that people have to do after this like disgusting thing happens. And that was, it just hit me in a certain way that nothing really ever has. So I think either, either Annie's death scene, I guess we could call it, 
or post Charlie death and Charlie's death is also great. And, oh, then yeah. at, at the, and then right after that, you, we get shown the screaming that the, the crying uh, scene with Annie and then immediately Charlie's head, which is that entire thing. Just like, Oh yeah. Hits each scene. It's each, the whole movie oof. hits. Yeah. And lots of, well, I mean, so it is, of... it is, it is about two thirds uh, foreshadowing for like one third of just like, explosive horror. But it's not really one of those predictable foreshadowing movies. Like I hate when I can call a plot or an ending halfway through the movie. It could be argued that it is. I don't think I, I didn't really, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I figured Joan was nefarious. I figured Joan wasn't to be trusted. Um, I didn't, I obviously I didn't call everything. Like I didn't know it was going to be some big cult movie where, some dude named Payman was a demon that they were trying to like get into a mill. I did not know all of that, but it's one of those that warrants a rewatch. Right. It really does. A lot of things come back to light once you watch it a second time. Absolutely. And a special like acknowledgement to the, the crew in the scene that uh, Joan is sitting with Annie doing the seance for her grandson. Yeah. Because apparently it was an absolute bitch for them to figure out how to get the chalk to write on the board oh, really? by itself. So yeah, they, they use like teeny tiny little magnets. And apparently it was just like absolute hell and back but to it, get it to do what it wanted to do. They did it practically? They didn't do a CGI? No. Oh, That's no. That's crazy. That's what uh, I believe it's Ari Aster says like, he insists on doing all practical special effects. That's so sick. There is nothing CGI in his movies. All of it is practical effects. Damn. I'd love to watch like a behind the scenes on how all of that was done. Absolutely. That'd be so sick. I might need to go and like catch a Blu-ray of this and see if there's like cool special features. It would be worth it. For sure. Oh man. Yeah. So like, I mean, it's just, it's a terrifying movie because you, it's you lose you lose family members. I mean, there's obviously the whole like supernatural element of it, but then also that you just can't trust your you can't trust your family. Like that's all terrifying, you know. Like it's that, like a, it's a slow descent into madness. Yeah, it's and imagine a, like waking up and seeing your mom trying to catch you and your sister on fire, and then like how you're gonna have that relationship with your mom, and then your mom just descends into madness, and you just start thinking like, oh, this. Is gonna it's psychological. Like after talking about it, after talking it out right yeah. now, it ticks every single horror movie box for me yeah. personally. I mean, and it's it's even like the whole like miniatures that they all make, and like she she makes really beautiful, Annie makes really beautiful like realistic miniatures, and then uh, Charlie makes these as like sort of less realistic i don't know what, what would you call it uh crude yes uh miniatures that she makes and like it's just that's really creepy i mean doll houses are always really scary and yes like, just the fact that that's a constant reoccurring theme in this um it's wonderful hereditary 100 percent goes into my top 10 favorite horror yeah movies. i mean there's a few there's a few cliches you know there, there's a few like Expedition dumps that were just kind of handed, but like overall, like especially just the ending, the ending just completely blows everything else out of the water. You know, like it might be, it might be a slightly slow burn, but I think there's been, there was so much good acting 
and so many good like pieces of dialogue throughout the movie. And then at the end, we just get that explosion of like horror that I've never seen in my entire life. That it is a must watch. Like a hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's a it's a classic horror movie with uh, with a modern twist. You know, like it's gonna in twenty years, film students are gonna be dissecting this film. I guarantee it. I hope so. They probably already are. They should be. Yeah. Because it's great. So do you, do you want to um, do the dartboard honors? Yeah, I guess. This time? Uh, we're done with this, so now we got to pick the next film. So our system is a dartboard system. Um, and we have picked several movies that we would like to cover. Um, trying to keep it fair. One week me, one week Matt. So I guess... Now I'm going to decide the next movie. I gotta get up. Oh, God. Gently. Gently. One dry run of this, and the whole thing fell. Yeah. And Matt misses. (laughs) All right, take two. Oh, it's stuck. What do we got? What's next week? It's literally right in between the ritual and high tension. So I guess you pick it. Now we flip a coin. Flip a coin? You're making this way too complicated. I literally hit right in the middle of something, so I got to flip a coin. Uh, You're flipping a Jameson bottle cap, yeah, Matt. So Jameson side, it will be the ritual, and bottom side, it will be high tension. High Tension it is. So next week we will be covering High Tension. I'm so excited. This is one of my movie picks. Yeah, that's one of your picks. I haven't seen it yet. So I'm excited because I get really? to watch a new movie. Ooh. Yeah. So uh, let's... So, yep. Next week we're going to be covering High Tension. So make sure you watch it so you can be a part of the conversation. Make sure you tell us what you thought about this episode. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Horrorist Pod. You can find us on Instagram at the Horrorist. You can find us on Facebook at the Horrorist Podcast, and then you can find me personally, Matt, uh, at on Twitter and Instagram at Matt Black seventy eight. That's M A T T E B L X C K seventy eight. Yep, that's, and that's you- my handle. <laughs> And you can find me on Instagram at Chelsea Blue Moon, C H E L S E A B L U E M O O N. There's less of a reason for you to spell it than for me, but I guess you can spell it. If you okay, I, I'm growing up in the South. You'd yeah. be surprised at how Moon. people say and spell my name. Right, you're right. Uh, we also have a website, uh, com where you can find all of this information, all of our social media, all the episodes that we're posting, plus a ton of other information, including uh, links to our Patreon, which we also have. Uh, you can find us on Patreon, and you can donate there. We have a bunch of exclusive merch and ex- exclusive content that will be launching around the same time as these first few episodes. So, uh, yeah, go check us out there and let us know what you think on social media. And pertaining to the dartboard, if you sign up for a certain level on our Patreon, um, you will be able to pick the movies that Matt and I will be watching and talking about. So 
as we get more people involved, um, you will be able to tell us which movies you want us to watch and we will watch them. You, you, you'll be able to, to put your sticky note choice on the dartboard to be chosen in the weeks to come. They might be slightly vetted. I don't know if I want to cover just 100% garbage movies. Cause I know a bunch of y'all are going to try and like spend $10 to troll us and make us watch something no. terrible. Here's so. the deal. If you give us a shitty movie, it's going to end up on the shitty movie soapbox Which portion what, of our Patreon. Yeah. That's a series that we're going to do on our uh, Patreon. So if you give us a bad movie, it's just going to be on there and, and your name gonna, will be attached to yeah, it. Yeah, We're going to roast you on it. So if you want to give us a bad movie, we'll, we'll put it on something, but you're going to get roasted alongside that bad movie. So, you know, there's your there's your warning. <laughs> All right. Uh, that about wraps up uh, this week of the Horror Risk Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, and stay scared. Stay scared, guys. Bye. Symbols, the mitre, the pentacle star, even someone as ignorant and...